Blimey. This is one out of a jam jar, you buddy. The House of Mystery contains demons, angels, elementals, magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the House of Mystery. All right, then. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the House of Mystery. I am Michael Flores, your host and curator. And in the House of Mystery with me, waiting for my orders or my commands, is the demon bisexual butler, David. Hello. Hello. Hallways are clean today, sire. uh, All right. So here we are. You can find all of our shows wherever you listen to podcasts. However, our preferred places are iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you. All right. So in this episode, we're going to talk about one of the short stories written for the special DC Pride issue that celebrates LGBTQ plus Pride Month. The story is titled Time in a Bottle. And drumroll, please. It features John Constantine. Now, it's not necessarily about him. In fact, I'd say it's not about him at all. It was a story that was more about extraño. which we'll talk about in a moment and Midnighter another character that I believe was originally a part of the Wildstorm imprint yes before DC did their whole thing meshing all of the imprints together Mm -hmm. to form one what canon universe is universes is because before Wildstorm was tied with image yeah But Constantine is more of a guest spot that is used as a plot device. That's probably the best way to explain his point in the story. He gets the story going. Why do they need him to get the story going? The logic is understandable. You know, bisexual character, it's Pride Month, celebration, applause. But from a story element, it's kind of weak. And I'll get into why in a moment. So the story is written by Steve Orlando. And before we go any further, Dave, you were a big advocate of this issue. Yes, I was. You enjoyed the hell out of it. And I'd love to hear your initial thoughts before we proceed. My initial thoughts about this one is it, it is a really fun read. And originally, I, when I first came out, I, I honestly thought, oh, it's another DC, DC, DC casting, uh, cashing in on Pride Month. And just like what every company was doing. It is. It's a little exploitive. It's a little exploitive. But there are really good stories in it that actually made me smile. That I was like going, you know what? This is actually pretty damn entertaining. You're talking about the comic as a whole? The comic as a whole, yeah. DC usually does pretty good work when it comes to those, those special anthology issues they release. Yeah. I mean, we enjoyed the hell out of the Halloween special. Oh, yeah. And then on top of that, you have the team of uh, Steve Orlando and Stephen Byrne who did this particular short uh, short story. Is that his name, Byrne? Yeah, Byrne. I've always said Stephen Byrne. (laughs) But um, I was really excited to actually see them like do a story that isn't focused solely on the sexuality of the characters yeah. they just gave a very entertaining story yeah i'm not sure like you talking about this issue you talking about this issue in itself not not the whole issue but this basic this this, this story? Short story okay all right so you you enjoyed it for the most part i did yeah okay so 
All right, so let's get into this. The way Constantine was brought into the story worked to get the story going, but the reason it was weak is because Constantine, to me, it was weak. Let me not generalize here because you don't think that. I don't believe. But Constantine walks into a bar, apparently hits on Extraño. Extraño pumps the brakes. By the way, I call shenanigans. No one pumps the brakes on Constantine. Come on. Look at that face. Look at that bad boy persona. So Extraño thwarts Constantine's advances by telling him a story about some other dude, Midnighter, that he's obviously pining after. Yes. So that kicks off the story. And then the rest is about Extraño and Midnighter taking on Count Berlin. Yes. A Nazi vampire. Nazi vampire. Which is a fucking great concept. It is. I love the 1960s, 1970s exploitation film era i love it and a nazi vampire you say nazi vampire i'm in let's do it so that is a great concept but the reason why they are taking him on is because he's out to straight wash their history and when i say there i'm talking about gay heroes as a whole yes he's going to make their deeds heroic by getting rid of the gay <laughs> getting rid of the gay <laughs> And see how you're laughing, Dave, because that's so fucking stupid. It hurts. It is. But when you're dealing with a character like Estranio, it makes so much sense that this is this is the only type of story that you could see Estranio actually being tied to. Okay, maybe that's because, you know, the character through and through, whereas this is, I believe, my first run in with this character in any story. Yeah, because. I just feel like it's so dumb and the concept is kind of cool. Like I said, the Nazi vampire and, you know, Midnighter and Extraño going after him. That's a cool idea. This Nazi vampire that wants to rid the world of all the wonderful gayness. Wonderful gayness. <laughs> that's the part that doesn't. Say it. It's like the funniest thing. That's, that's why it, it irks me. It just feels like a very low hanging fruit. It feels very easy. Oh, it's Pride Month? How about I have a Nazi vampire that wants to rid the world of gayness? Okay. Now, stories of hate are vital aspects of pop culture that yeah. we need more of. So that I can get behind without a doubt. And the ways of social commentary, it works. But the way it was written just felt to me like a Sesame Street, the more you know type piece. It was very immature. Well, here was the thing. I looked at this story and I basically automatically approached it as I'm not going to expect a dark, serious tone. I'm really not. I mean, you just said it yourself. You have a Nazi vampire trying to remove gayness from history. David, you can have mature without being dark or over the top. Like you cannot. Okay, let me rephrase this. You cannot. You don't have to take yourself serious. Yeah, you can have fun. Lobo is a perfect way oh, Lobo is perfect. of explaining what I'm trying to say. It's very meta. They, the writers that write for Lobo never take themselves serious, serious. In fact, that's the greatness of his stories is that they're so satirical. They work. Mm-hmm. So I'm not against fun, David. Come on. I mean, I'm not, oh, yeah. no, I'm no, not no, an no. 80 year old next door neighbor that wants you to pipe down after 8 PM because I need to get to bed so I can wake up in the morning and have the early bird special. Mm-hmm. Please don't put me in a box, David. Don't oh, yeah. label me. And, <laughs> no, but like, the thing I really appreciate about this story is like just 
whenever I whenever I see stories that deal with Pride Month or LBGTQ, whatever, whenever they want to do a story like this, I always see writers try to take it in serious tone. They always try to make it grandiose and and there's an important message. The more you know and the rainbow around the rainbow. And then here, it's more or less kind of like, no, we're going to have fun with these characters. Why? Because these characters are all known to be openly gay in, in DC history. And we're just going to tell a story about their exploits. And I'm like, going, that's how you actually honor pride month because you focus. It's not about their sexuality. It's about them as people. And, but it is about the sexuality. They're trying to stop a vampire from getting rid of the gay. Yeah. So it is about their sexuality. That's not, that's not the important thing about the story. The important thing is to actually see the characters kind of like, as people, yeah. this is this is the silliness that they have to deal with every single day. <laughs> yeah, and I feel a bit silly debating this with someone who identifies as part of the LGBT community yourself, Dave. Yeah, um, but I, to me, I'm typically I don't like stories that use gay trans lesbian characters to just tell gay trans lesbian stories. And I prefer stories that include gay, trans, lesbians, etc., mm-hmm. because these people exist in the real world, and these people are more than just their sexuality. They are firemen or fire people, let's say, police officers, accountants, lawyers, athletes, superheroes, and their lives include a robust story that encompasses so much more than just who they fuck and how they identify. I feel like it's... A disservice. It's a disservice. And that's why I typically don't like stories like this. Now, I get it. People might be throwing their headphones and saying, Mike, it's a fucking pride issue. What do you expect? (laughs) And I get that. Yes. And that's why I give it a pass. Typically, I don't like that aspect because gay people are people. They are human beings. And when we continue to divide them into categories, we actually divide us, us as as a people as a society we should include things now i'm not saying we shouldn't rally behind uh civil rights issues absolutely should and as long as there's homophobia and racism and hate we should always if you're a decent person rally behind those causes uh, but me personally i feel like it's a little exploitive um it's like having a mexican cast in a tv show and yeah. they eat burritos and mm-hmm. they have you know salsa dancing and and mexican cumbias and uh, quinceañeras and that's all they're worth that the only time you include a mexican in your stories because hey there's a mexican moment oh yeah absolutely and that's that's the thing i don't i don't necessarily care for oh yeah i mean so. I, I, the funny part is if you ask people in the lbgtq community that is the type of storytelling that they don't want they don't want to make it about them. They just yeah. want to make it about the people that they are. And that's why when I, uh, going back to the story, when you get to Estranio, Estranio is such a unique character, especially if you know his history, that fighting a vampire that's trying to actually uh, remove gayness from history, <laughs> it's kind of like... If you knew Doom Patrol was messed up, yeah. then you know that Estranio's messed See, up. See, I bet you the writers on Doom Patrol 
the TV show. Yeah. Can really make Extraño work. Oh, absolutely. He's one of the characters that everyone basically says, why don't we throw oh. characters from the new Guardians into Doom Patrol? Because we need that. It would be so awesome seeing like an eclectic cast like that. Yeah. And this Holy story, shit. They, I would fucking kill to see Extraño yeah. in Doom Patrol. This story basically encapsulates the strangeness and the and the absolute out of out of left field life that Extraño lives. Yeah, and like uh, the one thing that I always crack up that I tell people because everyone made a big deal. Oh, it's John Constantine meeting Extraño, and basically it's just going to be about uh, 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 LBGTQ like love fest. Like. like no, this is going to actually show you guys the potential of this character, Extraño. Yeah. And you're because, right. That is, that is what it did because Extraño was not on, on my radar. No. And I, now I find myself Googling and looking for the best stories pertaining to Extraño because I, I know. <laughs> I know. He's, he, because that's, I, and that's the one of the things that makes hit this so awesome is because this is probably the best story of Extraño because, like, if you look at the, 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 character's creation he had so much potential to do something really amazing back in the 80s and and early 90s but the way he got dealt that is like how that though his story back in the 80s and 90s is what you are saying like discuss you about oh, yeah. that type of writing yeah for sure we were way more exploitive as a society 20 <laughs> 30 years ago yeah so i guess the biggest problems i have comes down to logic because the dude extraño tells the story and he pumps the brakes on Constantine beforehand, <laughs> but then he ends up walking home with Constantine, presumably to take the party elsewhere. But that's because Constantine's a charming motherfucker. Yeah, but he didn't talk. <laughs> he didn't. It was just talk. extraño talking about his ex lover. Yeah, and then all maybe all that was like, foreplay. Maybe yeah. he's like, you know, I'm gonna talk about this fucking midnighter with his nice body, and I'm gonna end my night off with Constantine. Well, see, it, it's Constantine's game. You know, he goes in and basically makes the person talk themselves up, and then he goes home with them. Oh, he's That's, so suave. He's smooth. He's a smooth <laughs> magician. Come on, there's a reason why he he's been sleeping around with like characters like Lucifer. <laughs> hey, you want to see you want to see my penis disappear? Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, some may say, well, it's a short story. Give them a break when it comes to the logic aspect. And I say, nah, nah, bro, because <laughs> short stories are hard. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. It isn't an, a, an easy task, but it is possible to tell a short story in a more fulfilling manner, at least for me, narratively speaking. I know you say this is a good story, David, but what do you keep saying with that? What accompanies that? This is a good story for Extraño. Yes, because you've never seen a good story for Extraño. Mm -hmm. And this is probably the closest they have ever come to actually making something decent with this character. But it doesn't mean it's super great. It's super great when you take into account everything else we've been given up to this point. Up to this point. That's what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah. So, like, David, in a previous episode, we covered the Halloween DC special. Yes. And those were filled with short stories. And I'd say 90% of them were written well or there was something really clever that clever. made it work yes and like that's the difference between the halloween episode and this pride uh issue yeah is yeah. i really enjoyed the halloween issue more yeah yeah than the pride issue well there was there was hooks and gimmicks that made all those short stories work they were well planned out this extraño story it didn't even have 
a clever hook. It didn't end like in a clever way. It's just a moment. Yeah. Uh, Constantine was there as a bookend. And I'm not going to complain about that. Anytime we can get Constantine, even if it's just a, a wave to everyone in one panel, I'm going to be excited for that. So I'm not complaining. I'm happy that they included Constantine. I have said in previous shows, it's a bit sad that we had a pride issue and we didn't actually get Constantine, a Constantine eccentric story that blows me away because he is a bisexual character that has, that has been used as a way to explore areas uh, considered taboo by society long before it became trendy and hip. Yeah. But now everyone's willing to do that. It just, to me, doesn't resonate or matter as much as it did when you're the first one trying to do it back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with positing being a part of this. Um, but I, I just wish he had his own story oh, within this pride issue. That's what, that's the biggest takeaway as a Constantine fan that I took away is like, all I got was a, a Constantine playing supporting character. Yeah. Which is, which is sad because like you had this supporting to extraño and midnighter. Yeah. Dave. That's <laughs> playing second fiddle to uh, Extraño. Now I'm telling you right now, if they continue the Extraño from here on out, oh, absolutely, I would actually read. Oh, without a doubt, more about Extraño. So we can definitely say that's a positive, Dave, because if they manage to whet our appetite that much, I will tell you right now, if they come out with a story pertaining to Extraño, a, a mini arc, uh, an ongoing series, I will purchase it and read it. Well, think about think about the potential of the character that they set up in the it's, he's 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 a he's a gay man married to a werewolf who's also gay. <laughs> Amazing. He, he 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 also deals with. Oh, is he gay or pansexual? You know what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, because <laughs> listen, Dave, I did say the concept is cool. Yeah, and it is. Extraño is a character I need to know more about. Midnighter looks like a generic Batman, but when it he comes is. to Extraño, he seems like a rather unique character when it comes to the world of DC. Yeah, because like Midnighter himself is connected to Apollo. That's from Wildstorm. And they're basically, the whole story about that is essentially it was like Wildstorm's take on Batman. If Batman and Superman were lovers, that was it. And, <laughs> and you... When you see those characters, now I've read a couple of issues and a couple of stories and some of the story arcs of Midnighter and Apollo are considered really critically acclaimed. Yeah. The problem is, is like you don't have people really talking about them that much. Yeah. And unfortunately, and that, that I can understand why in a pride, in a pride issue, you would bring that character forward because he is a cool character when you, when you ask around people that basically know more about like comics and, you know, have read the image Wildstorm stuff, Apollo and Midnight or some other issues are very regarded highly. Yeah. All right, Dave. So let's delve in a bit to Extraño. <laughs> yes. Because he's a character that people don't know a lot about, myself included. So he's a superhero magician, obviously published by DC Comics, created by writer Stephen Englehart and artist Joe Staten. He first appeared in 1988 in Millennium Number 2. Extraño is noted for being the first openly gay superhero in DC Comics. Yes, he is. Now, the character never said the word gay in the comic, but it was commonly understood that he was 
One writer states, Extraño embodied nearly every stereotype of a gay man. Of a gay man in in DC Comics. He was flamboyant and colorful, and he referred to himself in the third person as anti. Extraño was mainly used as a comic relief, and he never had a boyfriend. Okay, so if they were to take this story, let's say one of the writers of Lobo were to do something with this. Don't make it identical to the format and way of formatting as Lobo, but I can see that approach would actually work really well with a character like this. Yeah. Uh, The character was controversial, both internally at DC comics, as well as with the readership. Inglehart wanted to explore the character more, including a storyline about HIV. Yep. But Inglehart later said that the editor, Andy Helfer didn't want gay characters in his comics. And he thought that Extraño was cured. At the yes. end of Millennium. Of oh, the Millennium that series. is so awful. Oh, it is. It is. It's Millennium. Millennium was very controversial among comic book readers because like essentially DC editing decided we're going to fix everyone and remove characters that we don't agree that should be in the universe. Anti-progressive, and, basically. Is that what yes. it was? Yeah. And basically all the, all the stuff that was built beforehand where they were trying to be more progressive. And yeah, the, if you read the new guardians book, it's horrible. Well, okay. Yes. So Extraño was get this. Extraño was ultimately killed by HIV infection. But that is so offensive. No, no, no. You have to read the rest of it, Mike, because the whole story about that, thing is like he caught the infection from an AIDS vampire called yeah. Hemogoblin. <laughs> so bad. Hemogoblin. <laughs> that is so awful in the ways of writing, but also awful. If we sat in a, in a writing room, Mike, and I pitched that to you, what would you do to me? <laughs> I would fire you. Hey, I don't probably hey Mike, have to. <laughs> hey, Mike, I got this idea. I want my character to be gay. And All right. we're going to lead a story. And mm-hmm. in the very end, we're going to have him die of HIV that he attra- uh, uh, contracted from an AIDS vampire okay, um, called Dave, Hemogoblin. Okay, Dave. Mm, okay, I'm going to go ahead and fire you because A, that's highly offensive. Uh, is there any other stereotype? Well, it's, 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 it's all about, uh, you know, pride. Hold pride, on, Mike. hold on, writer, writer David. I know you're very giddy about this, but uh, it, before we stamp our approval on this, is there any other uh, gay stereotypes you would like to include in there that are borderline offensive i think our readers would really like it well i think that basically he should be a little spanish because okay spanish gay i like that spanish (laughs) gay um make him very flamboyant Mm -hmm. uh you have to have a lot of colors a lot of colors we're called purple pinks okay greens stuff like that now i also want him to be cured of the gay by the end and then we can publish this can we have a cure for gayness i think that would really sit well in about 20 30 years when people look back it's gonna be like wow this is amazing yeah because we'll have we'll have him go through therapy like with all everybody else because Mm -hmm. the whole team i want to actually create uh, their whole point is to go out and have sex with people and spread all their seed. Yeah, David, that is, <laughs> see, that's the, that's an actual real concept, by the way, listeners, <laughs> that Extraño is connected to. Yes. They were to go be, it was so debauched. <laughs> it, it was so fucking, dude, I can't, I, I, listen, there's been some crazy shit written. Oh yeah. That's offensive, but this is so, this is why many times and i feel like we're in the, we're in a very similar time today in the ways of progressive thought 
Like I am a progressive individual. I consider myself a, a liberal and a progressive and a lot of when it comes to a lot of things socially. But that's the problem with <laughs> progressiveness the when it when it's not handled correctly. Yes. Because what you do when you want to be a good person, you try to include things and you realize that it comes off many times highly offensive and pandering. homophobic, pandering, uh, exploitive, racist and prejudiced many times. I mean, DC and Marvel, specifically Marvel in this case, they have some fucking skeletons in their closets when it comes to their black characters. Many of these movements, movements, oh, we need to include more black people in the comic books in the 60s. Okay, great. Yeah, we need to include them. We're going to be progressive. Let's feed into every fucking stereotype we can find. We can manage to muster and fit into this storyline. And that's the problem with progressive thought many times. It's being handled by hacks. Yes. And they're not quite sure how to do it right. And because of that, it usually doesn't age well. And you may say, Dave, well, this is an extreme circumstance from the 80s. Um, but when you really start breaking down many of the progressive TV shows that we're getting today, in 15, 20 years, we're going to study them in film schools. And the academics are going to rip them apart because yes. they're going to appear just like the stuff from the 80s, the 60s and the 70s. It's progressive, it's thought, progressive thought just built around a way to cash in. And it becomes very exploitive many times and homophobic, homophobic. racist, prejudice, all the other isses you can add in there. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's why you got to be more delicate when it comes to handling these, these types of things, oh, yeah. because they can go awry very badly. And see, nowadays, I also see like them taking those concepts and bringing them back. That's what made me excited about this short story. And fixing them. And fixing them. Yeah, I agree. Because not only is Stranio, and it could be an example of that, but the perfect example of how they took a character and utterly changed him to fit today's comics was Floronic Man. Floronic Man first started in New Guardians. Oh, really? Was he a gay character? No, he he basically was a... He started off basically just a druggie and a hippie. Okay. And that was the whole concept of his character because he could eat off of himself and every, everybody that fed off of him got high and got high off of mushrooms. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> exactly. And that, and nowadays when you bring a Floronic man, he's tied to like Swamp Thing. He's one of Swamp Thing's menagerie of uh, his rogue, uh, his uh, villains guild. So, that's why when this first got announced, I was really excited because I'm like going, okay, can we bring a character like Astranio in here? Who essentially, if you look at Astranio, forget about the fact that he's a gay male. But essentially, Astranio is Doctor Strange for DC Comics. I know everyone says Doctor Fate is the Doctor Strange of DC Comics, but he's not. You need a character yeah, like... Dr. Fate is not... Dr. Fate Dr. is not Dr. Strange. I will say Extraño has a lot of similarities. Similarities to, to Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange, yeah. Now, Dave, another unlikely inspiration for this character. Look at his whole name. Extraño de la Vega. I said this, I want to say, on a recent episode, that it sounds like Zorro. Okay. And then when I saw what he looked like... He actually looks like a version of Zorro. Yes, he does. From 1981, which was one year prior to his introduction. De La Vega is a very popular name if you know Zorro. Yes, if, you're, if, if you're in those circles, it's, it's just as big as hearing Bruce Wayne. De La Vega is Zorro's true identity. 
Well, Zorro the Gay Blade yes. came out in 1981, which, by the way, is it's an amazing probably, movie. I, probably very offensive to today's standards, but it is fucking amazing. It's a fucking amazing. It it's is my such one of my favorite a movies. fun, dumb movie. Uh, George Hamilton plays Zorro, and he plays a gay version of the character as well. And it's literally called Zorro the, the Gay, gay Blade. Blade. And if you look at the Gay Blade Zorro, he is dressed, uh, or I should say, Extraño is made to look like George Hamilton. George Hamilton. Yes. And the way he dresses in Zorro the Gay Blade. Yes. So it looks like they pulled a little bit from Zorro, a little bit from Doctor Strange, possibly. But either way, the character is interesting. I do like his history. Uh, if you take away some of the <laughs> some of the craziness, the, the um, offensive, homophobic, near homophobic storylines. <laughs> there, there is an interesting character there. Yeah, that's the whole point. Is like bringing in these new characters because while DC, the difference between DC and Marvel is Marvel has this vast array of characters, right? And in DC, everyone goes to the Trinity. It's always Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Nowadays, it's just Batman. So yeah. actually getting these new characters in DC and showing people that, hey, they have a history. There is a, some really cool characters out there. They might not have started off as like great, great characters or great concepts, but it's very easy to take something that's horrible and all of a sudden show that there's some magic behind it. Well, that's my problem as a comic book fan when they turn a character gay. You know, it's like, hmm. did you do that because it's too hard for you to actually use a character that is gay and make him interesting? Exactly. So you're going to take a character that people know and make your work easier. It feels like an attempt to just be lazy and not have to worry about building on characters that actually are gay because there are some great characters within comic history that have been tucked away because of uh, the unfortunate negative connotations that are connected to these elements of life at this time in history mm -hmm. at whatever time in history they were introduced, whether it be the sixties, seventies, eighties. So why not just dig into that archive, take a character and make him work. And there's your gay character. I feel like it would be more, I think it just makes more sense and it would actually show that the writers go into great lengths to fix possible issues with these characters <laughs> exactly. that just didn't quite work. You know, and would never hold up socially in today's environment at all in any way. Oh, no, no. So I am hoping, as you said, Dave, that this is a, a way to pave a road to getting more extraño because I, I feel like they're going to miss the boat if they don't do this. I do, too. I think he's he, there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of potential. That's that's the thing that makes me really excited for, you know, stories like this is because you're taking something that. The, the characters you're bringing, showing that the DC history is more than just three characters or the Justice League even. But there's other heroes out there. Yeah. Okay, so as a bonus, they do have an interview in this issue with Matt Ryan. Which I thought was a nice touch there. I mean, Matt Ryan should be given more credit for really bringing this character, character to the mainstream. I feel like his um, stint on Legends of Tomorrow is not my favorite show, but it at least has brought 
more attention to the character. Yeah. A lot of people have gotten into Constantine comics, whether it be Hellblazer or any other, you know, storylines with him in it, like Justice League Dark, because of liking the character so much from Legends. So that is awesome. And I will forever be grateful to Matt Ryan and the writers of Legends for bringing this character to the forefront. Yeah. Because it does add more life to to the character. So let's see. In this interview, a self-proclaimed master of the dark arts, John Constantine, is a bisexual exorcist. Okay, we already know that. Hold on here. Okay, so John Constantine was introduced uh, into the DC multiverse and has, at different times, resurrected the souls of both White Canary and Green Arrow uh, as a... Let's see, those series are part of the Arrowverse. I'm skimming. Hold on a second here. Despite his cynical and sarcastic demeanor, uh, this British bad boy is an ally to heroes across the DC multiverse and has, at different times, resurrected the souls of both White Canary and Green Arrow, whom he fought alongside during the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And of course, they're talking about the Arrowverse. Now, in this brief Q&A with Matt Ryan, they ask him, what's your favorite moment your character has had in the Arrowverse so far? And he says, there are so many. Uh, but his biggest one that comes to mind almost immediately is the is from the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. And he says, having my Constantine and Tom Ellis's Lucifer meet is definitely at the top of the list. I like that because... Honestly, I hated that crossover. I but mean, it was, it was such, the- <laughs> it's such shit. It was so bad. But seeing them together on screen was so satisfying. I never thought I needed to see the two of them. I didn't think I would ever see Tom Ellis from Lucifer. No. And Matt Ryan's Constantine, Constantine on screen together. I never even thought it was a possibility. So to be treated to that, it was such a great gift to the fans. So, yeah, it, but it does make me you know, unhappy afterwards. It's like, it's like, it's like giving a person water and then all of a sudden they're incredibly thirsty. I'm going to take it away from you now. Yeah. (laughs) Because suddenly my mind starts spinning. Oh God, we need a show with just them. Give us a six episode or eight episode mini arc that includes just Tom Ellis's Lucifer and Matt Ryan's Constantine. It would fit perfectly for comics because like Lucifer dealing with Constantine, let's face it. He, he's, he's, he's been there in rise and fall, (laughs) whatever, but but everything beforehand. Yeah. Lucifer has dealt with John Constantine. Yeah. So it would be really, it was really cool. And I agree with you. It was a nice little, here you go, fans. You get to see Lucifer with Constantine. I actually love the moment, but just like what you said, right afterwards, I'm going, I want more. What the hell? That's it. <laughs> you only allude to the fact that John knows about Lucifer and Lucifer knows about John and that's it. Okay. <laughs> it's great, man. I, I like that moment a lot. They also ask. He's all, is there a moment from John Constantine's appearance in comics that inspired an aspect of your character? The first Hellblazer comic I read, he says was dangerous habits. And it stuck with me to this day. Yeah. And that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. It, it's it, That is a solid go-to for any Hellblazer fan. Yeah. Because Dangerous Habits kind of encapsulates the character, the, 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 not the history of John, but the character of John, the personality of John. That's a better word for it. 
because Dangerous Habits was the one that basically really showed the type of person that John Constantine was, where yeah. he's just a nice guy that basically makes bad decisions. Right. <laughs> All right, Dave, let's go to a very quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into our RMD score and our final thoughts. We'll be right back. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. This song. This is a great song. Yeah, Portugal, the man. It is a good song. It's just a, it's a mood lifter. The entire time, I Hold thought on, he was saying, say? I'm a gangster with a kickstand. <laughs> Play it back, play it back, play it back. Everybody I've got to hear this. Am I coming out of left? Ooh, I'm a kickstand. Oh, it works. There's no way. You're deaf. There's no way. I don't even know what that means. I'm a gangster with a kickstand. Completely different. I thought he was saying he had a big dick. Rebel and oh. gangster don't even sound. Play it again. Everyone shut up. Play it again. I'm going to sing with it. Do you, want to, know, no. do you want to know I what want the actual hear, lyrics are? I want you to hear. I have the lyrics. I video want to up. hear the lyric as it is and try to imagine the line that okay. you said. And then you can sing it again. All right. No. <laughs> I, there's no way. Listen. For the last year, I've been humming, ooh, I'm a gangster with a kickstand. <laughs> the Rain Man Show, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com for more details or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to AdamandEve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the House of Mystery. Make sure you check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Digital, and pledge $1 or more a month, and you'll gain access to a plethora of content, but more specifically, the Oblivion Bar. And the Oblivion Bar, for all you newbies out there, is basically a condensed version of this show. And it's a lot more loose, a little more casual, right, Dave? We oh, yeah. we do some drinking. We talk about Zatanna juice. Don't ask. <laughs> Don't ask. Listen to the Oblivion Bar, and that's only a dollar a month. Or you can play. You can pay for a year up front, and you get two months free, ten bucks, and you get what two to four additional Oblivion Bar discussions every single month. Every single month. So help us out. It's really the only way we can stay on the air. I know I keep saying this, but it's very important. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital pledge. It keeps us on the air. Without that, 
we can't do a show. It's very expensive to run a studio of this size. Also, we're going to be doing more video as well. I think we're going to be broadcasting our shows starting next week live on Twitch and then later on YouTube. But uh, we prefer for you to view us on Twitch, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Live the way it should be. That's real <laughs> radio right there. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. Oh, wait a second. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I forgot about the scores. I, the I was just like, this is a, I just like, a did I have a stroke? <laughs> I guess ultimately, you know, I enjoyed this. I didn't hate it. Uh, my RMD scores 70%. I think there's a lot of great things within, within the cracks, you know, that might've fallen in there. Some good ideas that didn't quite make its way to the surface. Um, I've read better short stories from DC and that's the reason why I, couldn't really get invested in this. However, anytime we can get a story with Constantine in it, it is worth checking out. Unless, of course, it's rise and fall, then just please leave. Don't even spend your money on that. <laughs> David, go ahead. Well, okay. I came in to studio with two scores for this one. Now, the real score as a critic, I'm going to give this a 82. I really enjoyed it, especially since if you know the character's background, it's it really shows the potential of the character that the type of storytelling you can possibly tell the out of the world storytelling and everyone who's listened to us knows my love for the 80s storytelling from vertigo with, with uh, Sandman and doom patrol. Astranio is actually perfect for that universe. And I would love, absolutely love a series on Astranio, like a day in the life Kind of like yeah. his own version of Hellblazer, only it's more comedic. I feel like we need it. <laughs> and like I'm there with you. So that's why I gave 82 because like I really like the 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 short story. I have just like what you said, I mean, but compared to other short stories, especially the stuff that me and you have covered, it's not up in that echelon, like say the swamp thing from the Halloween episode. Yeah. It's some of the Batman short stories that we've seen, it's a bit under there. And that's why it's hard for me to rate this anything higher than that, because yeah. we have we reviewed have. and discussed things recently that are similar in format that are just much better. Yeah. But so that's, that's my RMD score is at 80, 82, but as a fan score, it's a hundred. Oh, come I on. Love, I love the fact that they brought in John Constantine to have this moment <laughs> in a bar with Estranio talking about him and Midnighter going to kill a Nazi vampire. <laughs> the, I like how that sounds. That's a cool concept. Yeah. I, I have no that, problem with that. It that feels is, very much on par with the whole exploitation era of of the 1960s, of the 1960s. I, I'm on board. I'm here for that. And like when you when you get there, you see the potential of it. And I'm like going, I have to applaud it. This is the best Estranio story I've ever seen. You've got <laughs> that's sad, and it's sad, but it's also I would actually say it's also very interesting for Midnighter. It brings a spotlight into two characters that are very known among the comic circles to be openly gay, and it's sad that basically Estranio is the first openly gay comic book character in DC comics. Yet they have to actually go and make, say green lantern, Alan Scott, they have to make him gay. 
And that's much bigger. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. You had a gay character back then. You could have done something special with that. But no. And that that's why bringing this character in and especially pairing him with John Constantine. I'm sorry. That makes so much sense to me that Constantine goes in. He gets rebuked by by Estranio, but still at the very end, because he's a smooth motherfucker. He still walks out and t- even tells him when Estranio tells him I'm married. Okay. Make it fun. He's a werewolf. Well, I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, really fast. There's also an interview in the Pride magazine with um, Matt Bomer, who plays Negative Man, Negative Man. in Doom Patrol, the yep. TV series. And, and if you have not watched that series, you need to. It is awesome, beautiful, amazing. The characters are so well written. And you want to talk about a show that go, delves into social commentary in a way that is truly deep and meaningful. That's the show that does it. In fact, so much so in this interview, and this is exactly what I agree with. The interviewer asks Matt Bomer, can you tell us about some of the positive feedback you've received in portraying a queer superhero on screen? This is what he says. And This is amazing. A lot of the feedback that I get has nothing to do with Larry's sexuality. Folks will just approach me and talk about the character and the show. They see his sexuality as one part of a multifaceted human being. One part. Keyword. And then he says, I think that in itself, he said, I think that in itself is progress. Exactly. When we stop acting like it's special. And it's normal, truly normal, because it is. That's when we've made progress as a society. Yes. I can't, uh, I can't emphasize that I agree 100% with that. Because it doesn't matter what a person's sexuality is. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, matter. Just I mean, give us a good story. Yeah. All right, David. Well, I salute you, my dear demon bisexual butler. And we are now signing off. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. And may the ghosts of our past stick around. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away, kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down, leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I'll walk my path alone. Because let's be honest. Who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?